I'm just curious, I can tell by just recognizing some of you, but how many are here for the first time this morning? Okay, very good. That answers my question. Very good. We are going to be talking this morning about reaching the heart of a broken world. And uh, just a little recap, in the first session we talked about the work that God does in our hearts to prepare us for the filling of the Holy Spirit. It was called Living on E. And just to bring you up to date, we talked about the experiences in our lives that bring us to that point when our our tank is on empty. And uh, we don't have any human resources to cope or to put one foot in front of the other and deal with life. And we discovered that that is the place where true spiritual life begins because it's when we're empty that God can fill us. And so many times we live our life filling our own lives with the clutter of stuff in human relationships and really sub- even subconsciously making that a higher priority than our relationship with God. And so what happens is it's like stopping at a gas station and, and your tank is already three-quarters, 90% full. And um, you, you, know, you pull out the nozzle and put it in your gas tank, but all you can do is top it off because there's only enough room for a little bit of God in our lives. And then um, we also looked at the issues of trust that prevent us from wanting to live on E, that the trust issues that prevent us from wanting to give complete control of our life over to God so that we really truly can be empty and turn to him for all of our needs. So that was a recap of living on E. And then um, yesterday afternoon, we looked at the wounded healer. And we looked at the, uh, the wounds and the bruises and the, and the issues, the abuse and the trauma that every single one of us has gone through. We don't always recognize it in our life, but the battle wounds have affected all of us. So we looked at what Jesus does to meet us at that place of pain and overcome the fear that is caused by that woundedness in life. So that was, that was yesterday afternoon, and this morning it's going to be a little bit different focus. They've asked us in our uh, Friday morning sessions to focus on evangelism and outreach. And so this day we're going to be looking at how to understand people and how to reach them at their heart level how to get to the heart of people, how to move our conversations to the heart issues with people, and then how to share Jesus with them. We do have some resources. When you enter the exhibit hall, um, right at the entry there, you will see the Gospel Net booth. And if you've attended any one of the sessions that we've done here, we have a free DVD that we'd like to give to you. It's called The Breaking Point. And that's an overview of the Wounded Healer. It was recorded several years back at Hope Channel, and it was a different title. But that's an overview of the Wounded Healer. So if you would like to have a copy of that, just stop by the booth, and uh, my husband David will probably be the one there, and just tell him you came to the class, and uh, just get your name and email, and you can have that DVD. We also have a um, 12-part CD series. And the only reason I mention this is because every time we have a seminar like this, there are people that are touched by the message of a a wounded Savior. And they recognize the need that they have for Jesus. And that 12-part set is designed to walk you through your journey of being born again into the family of God and redoing your life and the history of your life through the eyes of Jesus, who is not high and lifted up, distant from us, but is Emmanuel, God with us, the wounded healer, who can come right inside the wounds in our life and bring his healing and his love and his truth to replace every lie of the enemy. So that CD set will walk you through a personal journey with Jesus, the wounded healer. And then some of the evangelism topics we're going to cover this morning are uh, are covered in more depth in the series, the DVD series, Awakening Spiritual Interest. 
So I just want you to know that these are available if they can be a blessing to you in your ministry to other people. Um, is there anyone that comes from off the continent? All right, where do you come from? Puerto Rico, excellent, wonderful. I met someone the other day from Nepal. Anyone else from off the continent? All right, yes, where from? Europe, excellent. I come from Washington State, so I come from that northeast corner of here. Yes, where from? Bahamas, excellent, yeah. Who comes from Texas? Anyone from Texas? Excellent, wonderful. Well, can't you hardly wait for the day when we, we can all be around the throne of God together? That's going to be such a beautiful day. And I just pray that this morning's message will do something to encourage you in your ministry for Jesus so that your life can touch more and more people's lives and we can all be in the kingdom together. Let's um, bow our heads for a word of prayer and begin our class. Our loving Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the work that you are doing in our lives. I thank you for the purpose that you have for us that you have designed and created us to be the dwelling place for fellowship with the Almighty God, that I thank you, Lord, for your amazing combination of power and humbleness, your ability to rule the universe and to have all the resources available for every situation we face in life, but yet at the same time your ability to gently touch and quietly, powerfully heal the wounds in our lives. Dear Jesus, please reach our hearts in a deeper way day by day so that we can recognize the heart needs of people around us and we can reach out to them in ministry and we can take the life that you've given us, Lord, this limited time opportunity to prepare people for heaven and we can live it to its fullness because once we get to heaven, Lord, we'll have everything that we've ever wanted but we will not have the opportunity to save a soul. So please, Lord, just take this time. Please uh, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Please remind me again and again of my weakness and my emptiness that I have nothing to offer And in that realization, I pray that you'll pour your Holy Spirit and your wisdom through me today. Now open our hearts and our minds, Lord, so that we can know what it is that we can do to take another step in ministry for you. And I praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I count myself very privileged to have begun my um, training in ministry with some teachers that were very focused on reaching the hearts of people. And I have discovered day by day in working with people that that is the key to leading a person to Jesus and helping them to stay with Jesus. As the key is to reach their heart. As we looked at uh, yesterday, the heart is a big black hole that has been shaped and designed by the Creator to be the dwelling place of God. And until God takes residence in that hole, that hole in the heart will operate like a vacuum. It will operate like a magnet, always trying to pull other things into the heart. So until Jesus takes residence in the heart, the heart will be forever searching. So until we as lay workers and evangelists, until we reach the hearts of people, we will continue to see them searching and seeking in other places. So the real key to ministry is to reach people at the heart level. Now one of the challenges of reaching the people's heart is that the heart is inside, which means the outside can often look very different from the inside. So as you approach somebody, they can be wearing the, you know, the latest fashions, they can be driving the best car, they can have a, you know, a six-figure income, and they can look like they've got it all together and they're so successful and they have no need, yet on the other side of their life, 
where things really happen, they may be broken and totally at a loss for what to do in their life. I want to tell you a little story about an atheist in Manhattan. We were working with a team of Bible workers in preparation for Net 99 with Pastor Doug Batchelor. And as we were there, we were going door to door. And uh, door to door in New York City is fun because it's high rises, you know, with, with a, a gentleman that you have to get past at the, at the entrance. And they don't let you in to do religious solicitation. So uh, God blessed us with a lot of ideas. One of them was we would have a special gift for someone in the building. It didn't have to be somebody we, would, we knew. But we said, you know, we have a special gift for one of the, you know, apartment numbers. And they would let us in. We'd go to that one, give the gift, and then make our rounds through the rest of the building. And, uh, you know, we were not soliciting. We were giving things. But anyway, it was still hard to get through that barrier. But there were ways. Anyway, uh, one of our students from Russia, one of our Bible workers from Russia, he knocked on this lady's door. And she cracked the door, you know, that quarter of the way open and, and looked out suspiciously at him. And she said to him, I'm not interested. I'm an atheist. Well, what do you say to that? So, perfect, yeah, I like it. But he looked at her, and in the way that only he could do, because God had really touched his heart. His own heart had the love of Jesus filling it. He said to her, ma'am, have you ever met a God who loved you? And in that short statement, he broke through those barriers, he broke through those layers of her earthly life, and he reached directly, deeply to her heart. And she stood there, and she looked at him. And see, the thing was that this particular Bible worker understood the heart of people. He understood that people are atheists because of their picture of God. He understood that people are atheists because they've been hurt by people who did not love them. And often it's done in the name of religion. And so he was able to get right past her, you know, her barrier, her bluffing there, and get to the heart of it. Well, what could she say? Because that had that put a finger right on the place of pain in her life. You know, and how could she say anything other than stand there and listen? You know how long she stood there and listened? 20 minutes. And he began to share with her the story of Jesus. And to share with her what Jesus had done for people and how different Jesus was from the picture that is painted in, in many religions today. Because sadly, Satan has done a good job of representing God, misrepresenting God through religious leaders. God is somebody who sends you to hell, right? God is somebody who requires obedience, but he's high and lifted up. And now, very, it's not very often that we hear the message of a wounded Savior. And so that man was able to break through that barrier and get right to the heart of this lady. Now, doesn't that inspire you? Because when you get to the heart of people, they stand there and they feel their need of God. For those who were here yesterday, that is such a crucial turning point in a person's life, when they feel their need of God. Another story, this happened to me personally. Around the time of 9-11, I took the little book, Steps to Christ. I chose the one that has a picture, a tall city building on it, with Jesus standing and knocking on that building. And I thought it was perfect for the time of 9-11. So I'd knock on people's doors and I would, you know, show them the book and say, I have a special gift for you. And I wondered if there's anything that I could pray with you about. Well, as I was going through this neighborhood, I got a phone call on my cell phone that I had not turned off. And so I started talking to this friend of mine. And she was suicidal. I sat down on the curb and kept talking to her. Obviously, it was a a special need. And I wasn't going to keep going door to door when someone was 
about to take their life. And so I sat there, and a lady came out of her house, and I kid you not, where I was standing on the curb was probably from here to this red door over here. And, you know, I'm not bothering her, not even on her lawn. She yells out at me, ma'am, can I help you? <laughs> and she calls out at me, you know, how would you, what word would you use to describe a person like that? What is it? They're kind of crazy, okay. I, at, at least kind of hostile, right? Uh, at least a little bit, you know, maybe difficult to get through to. So anyway, I, I called out and I said, well, I have a special gift for you. And I'm on a call. Let me, you know, I'll stop by your house in just a minute. Don't stop at my house. Skip my house. I'm not interested. You know, it doesn't even know what it is. But this, We're talking about these barriers, these defenses that people have up because of their experiences in life. And they're real and they're high and they're tall and they're thick. But Jesus knows how to get through those barriers. And um, anyway, I finished my call, and I went down the street, and I skipped her house, went to the next one, and was praying, God, what do you want me to do? Because this lady is obviously in desperate need. She's obviously unhappy, and she's, she's fighting, and so there must be something stirring in her heart. And so I prayed, and God gave me the impression, go to her house anyway. So as I was coming back, she was out on the, on the porch sitting in a chair, and she had a gentleman there with her, and they were talking back and forth, you know, and she looked at me as I walked down the street. And, and uh, you know, she still had that kind of scowl on her face. The gentleman, you know, he was oblivious because he wasn't out there when she said that. So I walked up her driveway, and as I did, you know, our eyes met. And I said, I know you asked me not to stop, but I really want you to have this gift. I won't take long. And I walked up to the house, and I handed her the book, and I handed one to the gentleman, and I said, you know, with the things that have happened with 9-11, a lot of people are asking the question, where is God, and why do these things happen? The gentleman looked at the book, and he looked up at me, and he said, I don't wonder why these things happen. I wonder, were they ready? Ooh, (laughs) what an opportunity to get right to the matters, you know, that, that are important today. And so we visited and we talked and it took a while and we went back and forth and she listened. And you could see her defenses coming down as she just kind of melted in the atmosphere of, of you know, kindness and, re- and respect for her as well. So we visited and we talked back and forth and I said, you know, I want you to keep this book. And um, he looked at me, up at me and said, thank you. And, and she kind of nodded and she had really warmed up. But the words that I heard as I walked away from that home when they didn't think I was listening, made it all worth it. As I was walking away, the gentleman said to the, the lady said to the gentleman, what did you think about that lady coming to our house when I told her not to? And he said, well, I, you know, I appreciate the book that she gave us, and I think I'm going to read it. And you know what she said? And it still grabs my heart and sends chills up my spine. She said, I'm going to read it too. And I thought to myself, what an incredible joy is on the other side of breaking through that barrier of fear and the chance of rejection and moving past all those walls that people have and getting to the heart where they do have a need for Jesus, even though they broadcast it loud and clear. I'm not interested. I'm all set. I don't need whatever you think you have for me. And so these stories have encouraged me over the years to see beyond the external part of a person and to see to the heart and to recognize that the harder they fight, the more they, you know, they throw things at you, the greater they're broadcasting in language that we can understand. I need Jesus. I need what you have to offer. 
And so I just want to inspire you. If I inspire you with nothing else, it is break through those barriers. Make it the aim of your life to minister to the hearts of people around you. And I have to tell you, too, that they're sitting in church next to you. They're not just out there. They're sitting in church next to you. They're in your family. They're in your church family. And they're in your neighborhood. And they are, they're out there, too. But don't ignore the fact that they may be sitting right next to you. And they really need the love and care of Jesus. People all around us need that. Another lady came to evangelistic meetings, and she was loving the study in Daniel and Revelation, and it just seemed like she was like a sponge, you know, soaking up everything that she learned. But then we had the topic on Christian lifestyle, and she came up to my dad, who was the evangelist in that particular meeting, and she got right in his face, and she shook her fist at his face, and she said, are you telling me that I have to change this in my life? And he said, and he's amazingly calm, <laughs> amazingly calm. He said, I'm not telling you that, but the Bible does say, and Jesus has been talking to you, hasn't he? And it just brings it right around to that, that point of Jesus and the person, taking it back to Jesus and the person. Whatever people do as you j- travel down that pathway to reach their heart, it's not about you and them. It's about them and Jesus, because that's who they're fighting against. That's who they're battling with. And uh, she kind of, like, what do you say then, you know? So she stood there for a minute. She's like, well, I'm, if you think I'm going to change my life, I'm not going to change my life. And she stormed out of there. But guess where she was the next night? She was back because of the calm love of Jesus through a servant of God. She was back. And guess what she changed? Her life. The very things that she said she wouldn't. And so as we seek to reach the hearts of people, you know, it's easy to take the bait. You know, when somebody's picked the fight with us, it's easy to take the bait. But that's one of the key things that we all need to learn as we seek to reach people's hearts, and especially the heart of broken people, because they can be the toughest and the most antagonistic and the most, you know, snarly, if you will. One of the keys we need to learn is don't take the bait. Don't engage in the fight. We had a, a wonderful little orange kitty she was the most passive, sweet little kitty. And, and some friends of ours brought their dog over, and the dog would try to chase her. And she'd just look at him, like, what are you doing? And he would chase all of her other cats, but he could never chase this kitty because this kitty would just kind of look at him and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a friendly kitty. I don't play that, you know? And so if we don't run, they'll stop chasing. And eventually we'll be able to talk to them about Jesus. Some ins- and some stories to inspire you. So on the surface, people seem what? Please give me some, some names out there of, or some descriptions of what people appear to be like on the surface. What do they appear to be like on the surface? Negative, thank you. Anything else? Hostile, very good. Angry, very good. Not interested, all right? A lot of people just not interested, you know? Anyone else? Tough, exactly. Yeah, tough. Unimpressionable. Anything, anyone else? Say again? Friendly. friendly, yeah. And, you know, that can sometimes be the hardest. The people are just friendly, and they're, and they're so friendly, but they don't seem to get it, you know? They don't seem to really understand the, the impact of what you're trying to, to share with them. Okay, so on the outside, there's a, there's a package that, uh, that different people wear. And I like to think of it as wrapping paper. But is the package everything? What is the package? It's the cover. And what do you do when you get a gift? You tear the cover off, right? You tear the wrapping paper off and you put it away. 
And what do you get to? The gift, especially if you're five years old like my little boy is. <laughs> He's just, you know, <laughs> whenever a package comes to the house, is that for me, Mom? Is that for me, Mom? Because everything has your name on it when you're a kid, you know? And so he tears into it, and it's like, you know, okay, what's inside? And, of course, we're not going to approach people with that kind of um, enthusiasm at the beginning, right? <laughs> You've got to move slow. <laughs> but um, our goal in reaching people is to take, to gently be part of allowing the wrapping paper to come off as they learn to trust us. So we need to be trustworthy. We need to move at the pace that they're willing to move. And um, I like to think of a principle that I call pressure, release, more pressure. And a lot of these evangelism terms and, and concepts we're talking about are on that DVD series. So this is so short, but I just if you want to learn more, please stop by the booth. But you, you come close to a person, and they put up the wall and the resistance. It's okay to back away. But your goal and your purpose is to come back later, and they let you in a little bit more because they respect the fact that you respected them. You didn't push them beyond their barrier. And sometimes I'll even say to someone, do you mind if I have prayer with you? And, um, and they'll say, no, that's okay. And I, I take that as an indication that they have a pretty tall wall around them, around their heart. And, and, I'll, and I'll say, that's all right. That's all right. I'll still be praying for you at home, but I understand. It's okay. We don't have to pray right now. But a little bit, a little bit later, you know, I give them a little book or something or show some kindness to them. You come back and they let you closer. And before you know it, a couple of weeks have gone by and they'll say, you know, my Aunt Susan is in the hospital. Would you pray for her? I'd be happy to. You know, don't, don't make a big deal of the resistance they put up. Pressure. What's the next one? Release. You come back with more pressure. If you want to reach the hearts of people, you need to work with them in this way. Otherwise, the barrier will come up hard and strong. It'll go higher, and you may lose your chances of reaching them. I think we've all been in the boat of you know, coming on too strong. And so it's, it's important to learn the art of working with people, taking them where they are, and step by step inching them closer to trusting Jesus. So as we take the wrapper off, what do we find inside the human heart? We find grief, we find sorrow, we, we find confusion, we find emptiness, we find you know, lack of identity, we find all these issues of life. Or, they all come out of the heart. And you know the thing is, no matter whether you're in China, whether you're in Africa, whether you're in the Bahamas, whether you're in France, whether you're in England, there's, you know, there's something universal about the heart of men and women. God created all of us with a desperate need to know and experience God in intimate fellowship with him on a moment-by-moment basis. And so whatever the wrapping paper, whether it's cultural, whether it's you know, educational, whether it's different backgrounds, whether it's ethnicities and things like that, the wrapping paper eventually goes by the wayside as you get to the heart. And the issues of the heart remain the same. Issues of pain, issues of fear, issues of powerlessness, issues of loneliness, these are universal issues. And what I love about it is God has given me the opportunity to work in different countries. And, and New York City was a fun place to get started because it was such a melting pot. And I loved the diversity and the energy of people searching and, and the questions that they asked. And it was just really awesome and exciting. But once you really become tuned in to the idea of reaching people's hearts, you see the same thing everywhere you go. And it just becomes so wonderful to be able to reach people's hearts no matter where you are. Outwardly, this is how Jesus saw people. 
Outwardly, all can be joy. But the eye of Jesus beholding the throng with the, what? Tenderest compassion. And I just, oh, so hard not to repeat some things from yesterday, but we saw that when Jesus saw the empty place in his universe called this earth, he was moved with compassion. He came, his Holy Spirit moved to them. So we, we need to be moved with compassion if we want to get to people's hearts. So Jesus beheld the throng with the tenderest compassion. He sees the soul. What does he see inside that wrapper? Parched and thirsty for the waters of life. If there's something that bothers me, it's when people say, this place is hard to work, people are just not interested here. And I beg to differ. Every place is hard to work. It is a difficult thing to do evangelism. However, people are interested. They just don't know how to put it into words yet. Okay, so people, you need to see people as lost. See people as desiring God. Can you do that? Can you put the glasses of heaven on and see people as desiring a walk with God? You've got to look behind the wrapping paper and know these things that they're doing, these things that they're saying, even though they look like one thing, it really is an expression of their deep need for God. So I want you to see people as thirsty. God sees the heart. Aren't you glad? You know, that can be intimidating sometimes and kind of scary, but when we really get down to it, we're, we're very, we should be very thankful that he sees our hearts. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 says, The Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the wrapping paper, right? The lo- man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord, please say it with me, looketh on the heart. And I invite you to make a resolve. I will look for the heart of people. Uh, this is fascinating to me. It says thousands of wealthy men. Those can be some of the hardest to, to get through to. Thousands of wealthy men have gone to their graves unwarned. Why? Because they have been judged by appearance and passed by as hopeless subjects. But indifferent as they may appear, I have been shown that most of this class are soul burden. Ooh, what a powerful description. Uh, they're weighed down. Their hearts are burdened. There are thousands of rich men who are starving. There's the thirst again, starving. For spiritual food, many in official life feel their need of something which they have not. Few among them go to church, for they feel that they receive no benefit. The teaching they hear does not touch the soul. Shall we make no personal effort in their behalf? So again, I just want to inspire you to see every single person that walks around you as a person thirsting and hungering for God. And please erase from your vocabulary the thought that they're not interested, okay? All right? When you meet me in the hall, say, they are interested, okay? (laughs) And I'll know you were at my class. They are interested. So what do you see? What do you see when you see people? Do you see them thirsty for Jesus? Do you see behind the mask? Reaching the hearts of people starts with seeing them the way Jesus sees them. But then we need to quickly move to caring for them the way Jesus cares for people. And really, truly, the masks that we wear simply cover up great needs, great trauma, great experiences that people go through life and struggles that they're fighting with every day and trying to survive. And Jesus is calling for people that see beyond the external and see what people are really dealing with so that we can break through that barrier and care about them. People can't argue against someone who cares for them. And that's the most effective way to reach people with Christ's method, to minister to people. But you've got to see them the way Jesus sees them because there is a beyond, beyond the wrapping paper in their life. 
I tell you about Jennifer. Jennifer was in New York City. She came to the evangelistic meetings with Net99. She was a, um, an actor, a model, and very, very wealthy. So she had the, the charisma with people that some people want. She had the external beauty, and she had the money. And so many people view people like this as not really needing much. And we don't know sometimes how to break through that, you know, altogetherness that they have to reach their hearts. But she came because Jesus was drawing her. And as she came to the meetings, she listened night by night, and she was seeking for something that she didn't have. Well, night by night we worked with her, and she had some pretty major issues in her life when she really opened up. But God helped her get through these things. And near the end of the meetings, she made her decision to give her life to Jesus and be baptized. And she made a statement. She said, all of my life, people have been looking at the outside. They have seen my beauty, and they've wished they were beautiful like me. They have seen my charisma with people, and they wish they too could be surrounded with friends and be popular. They've seen the money that I have, and they've wished too that they could have a little bit of my wealth. But what they didn't know is that I have no friends in this world. What they didn't know is that I don't have anything I've ever wanted in this life. And what they didn't know is when I look in the mirror, I see ugly. Wow. She said, all of my life people have looked on the outside. But she said, I live on the inside. And she said, finally, somebody saw beyond the surface and reached my heart. And so this lady gave her heart to Jesus, and she was baptized. Even though she appeared like she wasn't responsive to the gospel, she really truly was. So God wants what? He wants the heart. He says, my son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. All true, true obedience comes from the heart. It was heart work with Jesus. Well, what is the heart? It's the center, it's the core, it's the middle, it's the nucleus, it's the hub, it's the central part, it's the deep down inside. It's inside of a person, not the outside, and I think we've established that pretty clearly. So what is behind the wall? We ask these questions as we work with people. What's underneath the band-aid? What is underneath the band-aid? The pain in their life. What's behind the mask? You know, the mask that says, I have it all together, behind that can be a uh, or the reality, I don't know how to do anything. I'm insecure. What's below the surface? So we ask these questions as we work with people, and we seek to reach the heart. The first thing we do is we see as Jesus sees, and the second thing we do is we care in actual actions. We care for people the way Jesus cares for them. Why is it so important that our focus be reaching the heart? Well, Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, if we, keep the heart with all dilig- we need to keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Okay, exactly. The issues come out of the heart. It's the stuff in the heart that determines the way a person relates to life and and whether they succeed or they fail or what they search for and what they do. It's the source of the outward actions. So until you get to the source, you're not going to be able to change the outward actions, right? One addiction will just be replaced by another one because until someone deals with the heart issues, they will continue to search. The heart is the reason that people do what they do. So Jesus tells us in Matthew 23, 25, and 26, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is where? Within the cup and platter. That, or in order that, the outside of them may be clean also. Why reach the heart? Because the heart controls people. That is the controlling force in a person's life. The deep need for God is what drives people. That's why people are addicted. And again, I go back to see people the way Jesus sees them, care for them the way Jesus cares for them. 
Now, when you see a person who is addicted, I hear again the comments that really bother me. People say things like, well, you know, we've worked with them, but there's just, they're just so addicted to that substance, I don't think there's any hope for them. It's amazing how many negative comments are, are made about the power of the gospel to save people. And people judge people who are addicted. It's a very, very um, often judged thing. But why is a person addicted? You see, when the heart is empty, it operates not as a passive vacuum, but as an active vacuum. It is pulling things in. People do not remain empty. People fill themselves up. That's because it's like a big black hole. It controls them. So until Jesus is there, something else will be there. So until the person has Jesus there, they will be addicted to something else. And so we need to have compassion because they don't know how to do anything else until Jesus takes the place in the heart. Notice this amazing story that Jesus tells about an unclean spirit that has gone out of a man. And as he's gone out of the man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest, and he findeth none. And so this unclean spirit comes back to the house from whence he came out. And when he comes back, he finds that person empty, swept and garnished. Now, I want to look at swept and garnished for just a minute. Sadly, so many times our efforts for people focus on sweeping their life clean of the bad habits and the false beliefs. And once their life is cleaned up, we feel like we've had some evangelistic success. And then, of course, we want to see their life garnished, right? We want to see them active in in church, active in Bible study and prayer. We want to see them active in ministry and things like that. So now their life is garnished. So here you have this person, and you're tempted to put them up in front in church and say, tell me your testimony. Because, boy, you know, they they broke up with their live-in relationship. They moved out. You know, they were delivered from alcohol and drugs. Their life is swept clean. You know, they're no longer watching those movies anymore. Their life is clean. And boy, you know, they're joining the choir. They're in in this Bible study. They're going to feed the homeless. They're garnished with good works. And we look at this person and we say, wow, what a wonderful convert. What a wonderful addition to our church family. But the other word is troubling, isn't it? The other word in here, it says that they're still empty. So has the heart been reached yet? No, the the heart hasn't been reached yet. And so many times, the issues that we covered in the classes yesterday come up in people's lives. They give their life to Jesus, yes. They give up the old habits, yes. They they take on new habits in their life. However, that, that longing for God is still there, and they don't know how to break through the barrier of fear. They still don't trust God, and so their devotions don't have that warmth and that strong connection that keeps them strong, so they're still empty. And then then goeth he, the unclean spirit, and taketh with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. We don't stay empty, do we? And the last state of that man was worse than the first. Again, this is the reason that we must reach the hearts of people, because the heart controls people. So what is the key issue here? They are empty. Emptiness controls the life of a person. And that is the issue that we need to focus on. It's like a big black hole. It sucks everything in. How does it affect people? Like a vacuum, like a magnet, like a hole that sucks things in? This is how people are affected by it. Proverbs 27:20. The eyes of man are never satisfied. All the blessings which the world can give fail to satisfy the wants of the soul. There is a what? 
and nameless longing. This is why I say people are interested. They just don't know how to put a finger on it and call and say it's God that I'm interested in or it's you know, the Seventh-day Adventist church that I'm interested in. <laughs> there is a nameless longing for something which they have not, a peace and rest that is not born of earth. So now, when you see people, regardless of the details, what do you see inside of them? A nameless longing. What do people do with longings? They try, to, they try to satisfy them, don't they? They do. They try to satisfy them. So people are driven, restless, craving, addicted, never satisfied, and there's a hunger in the soul. I want to take you through a little journey, the journey of the seeker right now. And I'm going to do it quickly, and then we're going to take a break and come back for our, for our final part. We're going to do some target practice and how to reach the heart, how to find our way to the heart in our next session. But right now I want to take you on a journey. So here you have a person. Let's start out in life. God created us with three great needs. Need for stuff, air to breathe, food to eat, water to drink, shelter, transportation, a place to live, physical needs. That's a God-given need. God also created us with another need, social needs for people and relationships. And thirdly, God created us with a deep and desperate, can't live without it, need for himself. He created us with a God-shaped hole in our life. Three needs. Stuff, people, God. You say it with me? Stuff, people, and God. All right? So, as we set sail in life, every single person seeks to get their needs met. They're on a journey, a journey to survive and get needs met. So here's the stuff. And um, if, you, if you've ever had a little baby or you have one in your family, what do they want? Food? <laughs> Milk? <laughs> um, love? Care? Sleep? More food? More what? You know? Pretty focused on their needs, right? <laughs> We're pretty self-centered and pretty focused on our needs. Okay, social needs. We wouldn't be here without parents, without grandparents, and there comes a time when we desire a husband, a wife, possibly kids, grandkids, we need an employer, providers, customers, leaders, pastors, counselors. We feel our need for people. And you know the nameless longing is nameless because it's not the most recognizable one in our life. We easily recognize when we're thirsty, right? And what do we do? Head to the water faucet. We easily recognize when we're hungry. And uh, that desire to eat can be pretty strong. It can make us walk three blocks, and it can make us, you know, go looking for some food. And so these needs are so recognizable. Some people call them felt needs. And people are driven to get their felt needs met. All the while, this nameless longing is there. And do you realize that when you have stuff and when you have people, you can sit down to a meal and you can eat it and still not feel satisfied? But then when you really have that rich walk with Jesus, you can sit there and eat that same meal and it's different. It's just, it's a gift from your Creator now. It's a loving meal with God. You know, Revelation 3.20 says He knocks. And he wants to come in and he wants to sit down and have what with us? Supper with us. Exactly. He wants to sit down and eat with us. But you know, when you take God's presence out of things, out of your marriage, out of your home, out of your meals, out of your anything, out of, your, out of the physical home that you live in, without the presence of God, it's empty. And so the amazing thing is, even though stuff and people are God-given needs, without Jesus, they don't fulfill the God-given satisfaction in your life that God meant for them to. And it's just, it's just amazing how much that internal void affects us. So people set sail and they follow their dreams. And most of the time, they follow their dreams to get stuff and to get people. So as we look at it here, a child is conceived. They are born. They are toddlers. They go through mile markers. They, they sit up and then they crawl and then they stand up and then they walk and then they run and then they jump and you never catch them after that. <laughs> but they just keep going through life. 
And so life develops, and at each point of the way, there's new mile markers. I want to think about this. Um, okay, we've got some guys in the audience here. Uh, did you like to drive things when you were a kid? All right? <laughs> My son, I took him for a walk when he was two years old, and he looks around, and he's like, Mommy, I've got to drive something. And I said, all right, well, maybe let's rig something up here, you know? But that they want to drive something, but first, you know, it's a tricycle. That doesn't last forever. What, what do we need next? We need a bike. Yeah, and, and you know, my son at five has already decided that when he grows up, he's going to have a family construction business, and mom's going to run the, <laughs> the dump truck, and he's going to run the logging truck, and brother's going to run this. And, and, you know, it's about wheels and trucks and going places. And, and the thing is, though, that that it goes from the tricycle to the bike, and then it goes to the tractor-trailer semi-truck, and then it goes to, and I know us girls, I'm, I'm getting an education because I've got two boys now, but uh, it's different for us girls, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, it, the, the idea is that it keeps moving up, 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 but eventually you've driven the biggest truck, right? Eventually the things of this life run out. Eventually you reach the highest high in driving things. And I just use that as an example. You reach the highest high, and a question begins to stir inside of you, now what? That's the awakening of the spiritual unnamed longing. So we go through these mile markers in life, childhood, growing up, graduating from school, whatever the path of our life takes, getting married, having kids, becoming a grandparent, there's all these different mile markers in life. And you know you want to reach the heart of people. I've had a lot of fun with conversations with people. I met this uh, gentleman that he owned a piece of property, and he had developed it just like he always dreamed it could be. And so I was asking him about his property, and uh, he was retired. I asked him, what kind of work did you do? Did you like it and everything? And I said, so what's next? And he says, well, you know, I'm enjoying my place here, kind of. He said, you know, it's get I'm getting a little bored with it. And I said, so what next? He said, well, I think I'm going to travel. Well, where to? And he told me. And I said, what next? And he said, well, I'm really not sure after that. And I said, well, you can't let your dreams die. What's next? And he kept talking, and he, you know, he kind of ran out of ideas. And I looked at him, and I said, is there something bigger to life? Is there something greater to life than what you can get down here? And he said, yeah. He kind of dropped his head. He was like, yeah, I know. I need to start thinking about the next life. And many times people don't think about the next life until they get everything they've gotten. And I think that God in his mercy allows some people, you know, to be millionaires, millionaires at 32. We wonder, wow, whew, that must be nice. Well, you know, they're just on a fast track to that place where they bottom out. They, get, they bottom out at the top, you know. They get to the top and they say, is this all there is? Isn't there more? And that's just, again, that's that, we talked about living on E. That's the point when, when everything that you have stuffed in your backpack, all of a sudden you look at it and you go, there's nothing here. You know? And so you find that empty place. And now, where, when you're at the top, there's only one, one beyond to look to, right? And who do people begin to look to? To God. And as we seek to reach the hearts of the people, we need to watch the journey of a seeker. We need to see where is this person in the journey? Because, you know, there can be a person who's just totally obsessed with working out and keeping up their physical body and being in tip-top shape, and they just get an adrenaline rush from it. And they're just on a high. You know, and they lose all this weight, and they get to be the, you know, the model that they want to be. Watch. They're climbing a mountain. 
Watch them in their journey as they seek. They're climbing the mountain. They're getting what they want. They're getting what they want. Stick close to them. Rejoice with them. Be happy with them and with their successes. It's good to be driven. It's good to have goals and to meet them and to be in good health. But watch. They're headed for a point of disillusionment. Stick close to them because there will be a spiritual opening to reach the heart when there's that awakening that says, oh, you know, I'm, I'm beautiful now. I am the epitome of what I wanted to be. I, you know, I, I got the plastic surgery, whatever. I, I'm like that model on the magazine cover. But you know what? I still don't have anybody who loves me. It didn't get me what I thought it would. And so you've got to watch for those points. And, when, and at those points, God will give you the ability to see the heart and to get close to the person and talk to them about spiritual things and about your own search for Jesus and about how Jesus is there when, when, we, when we reach these points and the real beauty that he can give us and the love he can give us and the acceptance and the place of belonging. So as people set, sail through life and they, they absorb their life and the stuff and the things of life, they get to this point, this crisis in their point in their life, and it's, you know, it's often not recognized as a crisis. But I will have to say that in Bible work, I owe so much to recognizing these crisis points in people's lives. Because that's when you can get through all the wrapping paper and all the, you know, all the stuff and, and get to the heart. So watch not only for people's low points, but watch for their high points. Because at the top, they will struggle. And that's when they need a compassionate friend who not only rejoices with their successes, but is there when it's all so empty. The experience of getting it can be a crisis to people. C.S. Lewis says, someone whispers to us, whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience. But we often don't even hear the whisper at those times at the top. And so many times people have to plunge to the bottom. There is another crisis, isn't there? There's another crisis besides getting. But in the crisis of getting, we ask questions like, is there more to life? There's restlessness, there's boredom, there's disappointment. And again, the, the nameless longing is awakening. I stopped at a gas station on the way over here on Christmas Day and um, trying to find something to eat <laughs> on Christmas Day. And I watched this. There was a TV screen in the... In the um, gas station, and, and it had these words, and they were coming on line by line, and it fascinated me, so I watched it. The hardest thing about getting it all is discovering what's really missing. This is the crisis of getting it. Now, it's a warning. It's a wake-up call to awaken that restless longing. You who in heart long for something better, recognize this longing as the voice of God to your soul. And whenever Jesus is knocking on the door of the heart, do you know what he wants to do? He wants to send you to that person. Jesus always wants a human vessel. Of course he could come to this earth and do it again, but he has chosen to infill, to fill his human vessels with the Holy Spirit. And so whenever Jesus is knocking at the door and awakening that spiritual need, he wants to send you. So he wants you to stick close to people, build those relationships with people, and to see those moments when the voice of God is speaking to them. And that is your divine opportunity to speak to them. When your voice echoes the voice of God, you will have an amazing impact in a person's life. So now we look at the experience of losing. Some people won't look up until they're at the top. Other people won't look up until they're at the bottom, flat on their back. And we know the experiences that, that happen. There's death in families, tragic painful, heart-rending deaths in families. There's illnesses, there's tragedies, there's accidents, there's car accidents. There are times when you lose the things that, that you relied upon. You may lose your job. People become homeless. There's fires that take people's homes. 
And so from the wonderful wonder of childhood, people encounter these tragedies in life that knock them down. And when they're down, they ask, peop- they ask questions. You know, where is God now? Why is he letting this happen to me? And again, watch for the low points. Come close to people. Because Jesus is then knocking at the door. And people are most receptive to open the door. I visited a lady in the hospital. She was a single mom. She was a lady I'd done Bible studies with, and she had joined the church along with her 14-year-old daughter. Well, she had had cancer before, and uh, her cancer was in remission, which she was very thankful for because she had a 14-year-old daughter depending on her. Well, not too long after her baptism, she landed in the hospital, and those dreadful words were spoken by the doctor, the cancer has returned. And she sat there in in the hospital room, I went to visit her, and I talked to her, and I asked her, how are you doing? And she said the thing that you're supposed to say when you're a new Christian and the Bible worker is visiting you. She said, I'm doing good. Uh Uh-huh. And I said to her, is your daughter, I asked her about details, you know, is somebody taking care of your daughter, and those things were covered. And I said, as you think about the future, how do you feel? Doing good. And then I asked her the question that I knew she was asking. Because when people are at the bottom, they ask, why is this happening and where is God? I asked her and I looked her straight in the eye and I wanted to get to the heart. I said, Inga, where is God right now? And she broke down. She said, I don't know. Doing good, huh? doing good and you don't know where God is and you've just gotten baptized? Not doing good. And so then I asked her, I said, would you be willing for me to share with you the story of the wounded healer who is here even when we can't see him? And I took her through the sufferings of Jesus. And I took her through the the way that God saw her circumstances and chose to suffer as her even took her through how, how God the Father watched his son suffer and different things. And she just broke down and she invited Jesus to come into her life and to carry her through this difficult time in her life. And she gave these things to God. And as she left, there was a peace on her face. There was a, there was a confidence. There was a faith in God that I had not seen there before. Someone whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but does what? Shouts. To us in our pains, it is God's megaphone to rouse a dying world. And so we've looked at the journey of a searcher here. We've looked at how people seek and how people look for things at the top and they look for things at the bottom. And we need to recognize when we're reaching people's hearts that these are key points, divine appointments. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC. A supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.